He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, we have a couple tournaments to talk about. Last week was the Sony Open. This week is the American Express, the old Bob Hope. And we'll get you tuned up for that later on in the show. Also, Bernard Longer made an announcement today, and it's very, very interesting. We'll talk about that as well. Fellas, last week I said I was going off the wall again, just like my Hayden Buckley pick in the Sony last year. Not quite as off the wall. I went Ben on, and Ben on loses in a playoff, misses a three-footer to extend the playoff after Grayson Murray drains like a 39-foot bomb. Keegan Bradley also in that playoff at the Sony as well. Fellas, I don't know what I can do to win the Sony Open. Second year in a row, finishing second at the Sony Open with my picks. T-Dub, what were your thoughts? Well, Sam, I just got to say this. With the fact of your one-and-done pick missing a three-and-a-half-footer on the last hole and your Philadelphia Eagles completely shit in the bed on Monday <laughs> night, your sports, direct, your sports atmosphere right now has to be a little down. So I do feel sorry for you, bud. From that aspect, but a tight second finish still very good. Well, been on played very solid golf, especially in the final round, shooting six under. But Grayson Murray making that long putt in playoff was really the thing that stole it because you look at it, then on's just short of the green. He chips up there to three and a half feet or whatever, and then Keegan and, and Grayson have these long putts, and you're thinking, well, they're both going to miss, and then I'll just tap in with that long putter he's been using. And then all of a sudden, Grayson Murray makes an absolute bomb out of nowhere, Woody, and throws the complete thing in disarray. If you would have said on that green before anyone putted that Grayson Murray was going to win the tournament outright there, the odds of that would have been astronomically low. So I do feel bad for Sam in that aspect. But it was a very interesting playoff, and I do feel bad for Ben on Played some solid golf, but that long putter definitely let him down at the end when he needed it most on the 73rd hole. Well, now, Sam, he's off to a good start again. He had a good week at Kapalua. I think he got a fourth-place or fifth-place finish. Now he got a second-place finish. So as long as you just keep doing that and remember to put your one-and-done in every week, I still think you got a chance. You know what, guys, though? I want you to, if you go back, and our listeners, if they can go back and find a, a footage of that 39-foot putt on 18 that Grayson made, let me just tell you guys, watch that putting stroke and what our guest, our listeners, I call them our guests, our listeners, one of the things you see with really good putters is they're not very tense. They they let the putter just swing. I was really impressed with Grayson on that last putt on 18, how big a putting stroke he made. He looked really fluid. Now, still, we know what the percentages are of making a 40-foot putt. Even if you're a pro, we're not very good. So I guess we could call that destiny. But I really loved his putting stroke. Not just that hole. All through this golf tournament, all the footage I saw of his putting stroke, he looked very comfortable. So I hate it that he got Sam. But now the cool thing is is he's going to get into the signature events where he'll get to see his old buddy Rory 
<laughs> yeah, speaking of Rory, his old buddy Woody, Rory choked this weekend too. We'll get into that. And it was kind of poetic justice for Grayson Murray. But T-Dub, just explain to the listeners um, kind of the depths that Grayson Murray has climbed out of, obviously not just on the course, but off the course, dealt with alcoholism. And after Rory basically said, F you, play better, he decided to go stone cold sober and look, it's been, what, six months since Rory told him to play better, and guess what? He's playing a whole lot better. He's a winner on the PGA Tour. Unbelievable. It truly is. Yeah, you think that he's over eight eight months sober now is a great thing, and then we've seen it with Chris Kirk winning at the at the Century, the first tournament. So two guys who have overcome alcoholism going out there and winning PGA Tour events. So I hope that does encourage people who are battling with any type of addiction or anything wrong with them that you can get out of the hole you're in. You can persevere on to greater things if you have hard work and discipline. But Grayson Murray, at least this week, he completely turned his game around for the entire time that he was on the PGA Tour. He's always been a, a way long hitter. He absolutely bombs the ball. But every other aspect of the game, his iron play is not very good. He's not a very good chipper, and his putting's been absolutely horrible. But out, last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, he actually put it pretty well. And then this year, so far, he's actually has done really good in every single aspect, at least this last week he did. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes around Woody. We kind of talked about Wildlife, not the trickiest golf course, so it does set up well for someone like that. He did shoot three under in the final round. He did play bogey-free, so that is something to to note on birdie, both the par fives and then birdie number 10, the short par four. So very, very steady golf, showed some maturity there. And it's uh, as Sam was alluding to, it's really great to see that he was able to overcome the personal demons as he had to go out and win a PGA Tournament at the highest level competitive golf. You know, I think what this showed you guys, and we've talked about this on our podcast a number of times, PGA golfers, any golfer, has to have their life in the right order. Grayson's was not. He was a mess, guys. He was an absolute mess. He won his rookie year at Bermuda down there. And other than that, he has struggled in his, his whole world was a mess lo and behold all of a sudden he finds this young gal that he's now engaged to that he's getting ready to marry this summer i understand at pinehurst he finds god and good for him because anybody goes through life doesn't have god on their side you're already fighting an uphill battle i feel sorry for anybody that doesn't have that faith but what he did is he got his life in order gentlemen and once he got his life in order it's funny how your putting just seems to come and your chipping and your ball striking and everything just changes when you're not fighting yourself every day. So if you look at this golf tournament and you look at where this young man has come from, there's a lot of factors, but the most important one is he finally got his life in order. He was a good player, guys. He, he. This is not a flash in the pan. This kid had a lot of talent coming out of college. Like I said, he won his rookie year. So um, I think he always had it, but he just got really lost. And whether Rory McIlroy knows it or not, but he might have been sent the message that really, I guess, stopped this young man in his tracks and said, you know what? F you, Roy, but you're probably right. I do need to just play better, and away he went. So it's another one of these feel-good stories that 
what worries me as we go into this professional era that we're talking about going to, we're going to miss these really cool stories like this when all we have is 80, 90, 100 players playing a world tour that they want to get all together. We're going to miss some of these great stories, and this was one of them right here. No doubt about that. Now let's talk about the other two guys in this playoff. Ben on and Keegan Bradley. Let's start with Keegan Bradley, who barely missed out on the Ryder Cup team last year, and he has come out with a mindset of, I'm going to play so good that I'm not going to give them a choice on picking me for the Ryder Cup coming up next year. Obviously, Olympics this year, Ryder Cup next year. Fellas, I was impressed with what I saw from Keegan Bradley. He was one of the most consistent ball strikers, especially with the irons on the PGA Tour last year. And this week, of the guys at the top, he hit the irons better than anybody else. He couldn't quite get it done. He was he basically was in the same position as Murray on 18 in that playoff, but obviously his long putt didn't drop. But what were your thoughts on Keegan Bradley? It's just good to see. We thought, I mentioned Ben on earlier having the long putter. Keegan Bradley notoriously dealt with having to try to come back from not having a long putter. It looks like he's been able to do that, at least been able to moderate it. Because as soon as they took that thing away from him, his strokes gain went dramatically down. And now he's been able to propel himself. He gained more than a full shot on the greens this week. So that's very, very telling there. And as you mentioned, one of the better ball strikers of the last decade, currently the 21st ranked player analytically, eighth in the FedEx cup standing so yeah i expect he can have another great year and i think him not being picked on that Ryder cup team woody 100 percent motivated him and i think he's gonna work harder than ever with someone with his talent who works hard who knows what will happen he's 37 years old now so i mean he's not anywhere past the point of where he can still play some elite golf well and he, he just like you guys said he he was really disappointed he didn't get picked for that Ryder cup team so he's gonna take it upon himself he's not gonna wait for a captain's pick you know, Dave Pelt said this one time, guys, and this was this was years before we started cutting off any kind of anchoring. He said if he had a young kid that was going to play golf, whether girl, female, or male, either one, anybody playing golf, he said the first putter he'd have him use is the broomstick, the long one. Now, this was back when we could anchor him, okay? The second one would be the belly, which is what Keegan Bradley used to win his PGA championship and to have a great start to his career, which I thought the belly was one of the best ideas ever where you just stuck that putter right in your belly button and just rocked, okay? That makes it really simple, okay? And then he said left hand low. The fourth style that Dave Pelts would tell any young kid to play with at that time, was our conventional putting grip with a normal link putter. So times have changed because that anchoring stopped a lot of it. Unless you're Bernard Langer, I still say he's anchoring, and that's another story. <laughs> we'll get to um, him. We'll get to him. We'll get there. But I think Keegan has found a way to, in some way, get that putter where he's doable with it. You know what I mean? Now, watching him putt is. Is, is one of the most agonizing things I've ever seen. If, if you're not a golf fan, I think you'd change the channel watching him aim point it from a foot or two feet, whatever it was. That he, he walks around and, I mean, gee whiz, he wears me out. So um, I'm not all into how long it takes him to go about putting, but 
obviously he's got his mind set this year. So I think he's going to have a pretty good year. We're going to see, but he's sure off to a good start. He wants to be on that Ryder Cup team. What he mentions aim point right there. And there were some just brutal videos of, of Keegan Bradley aim pointing this week and straddling the line. T-Dub, would you care to explain to the casual golf fan what the heck Keegan Bradley is doing while he is aim pointing? Well, the main principle of it is you're using your feet to read the green instead of your eyes. You're trying to feel the difference in is one foot higher than the other and exactly how much do you feel that is. And then you, they, you see them stick out the fingers, and what the, they stick out the fingers for is they put one of them on the edge of the hole. If it's out, one of the schools of thought is if you're outside six feet, you put your uh, the edge of the finger. If you're inside six feet, you put the middle of the finger there. And a finger represents a degree that you feel like that one side favors the other. And so you try to measure it by using your fingers. It's a little bit of a complicated thing, Woody. It's not something that it's one of those things if you can if that's how you want to read the green and that's what works for you go ahead but whenever you're on three footer i'm with the kevin kisner philosophy just knock it in we'll get to three footers with warren mcelroy especially here just a little bit but yeah if that's how your mind works so be it but don't take forever to do it and then like i said if if it works for you so be it but i'm i'm not going to be doing it unless i just absolutely cannot read the green i'll sometimes go out and feel with my feet but you won't see me sticking out the fingers that's that's too many numbers going in my head when i just need to feel the putt and Woody, before you before you explain this anymore, and I know that you're a firm believer in putting is a feel thing and aim point is not necessarily all it's cracked up to be, but there are some pros out at Oak Tree that you see out there practicing aim point. They get their little level and they practice feeling what certain slopes are, and that was one of the reasons why they got rid of Stracoline books because it said all of those little slopes and the guys had practiced feeling what those slopes felt like and trying to turn putting more into a science and not an art. Um, But, Woody, I would like for you to explain to the casual listener out there who's struggling with their putting, if they go out and try to aim point, it's not going to work because you have to practice aim pointing and practice feeling what those slopes feel like with your feet, correct? Most definitely. And I I think you can get to a point where you can just overthink it, okay? You know, one of the best putters I still watch out there at Oak Tree all the time is Willie Wood. And uh, I've never seen Willie Wood aim point. Now, I have seen him put one of those tracks down, working on his stroke. Now, I have seen that. So, um, you know, a guy like Ben Crenshaw, I always talk about the best putter I ever saw in my life. He never had anything. I mean, not one dang thing, guys. He didn't have a line on his ball. He didn't have a, a track to put his put his putter on. Um, I never saw anything. Never used a line, you know, or chalk line. There was a lot of stuff going on back in my day that was just coming out at that point, but I never saw Ben do that. And he was what you would say a field putter. I mean, he could read a green better than anybody I've ever seen, and he did it just with his eyes and, and watching what the topography was around the green. He was real good at always knowing where the highest point on the green was, and then he'd work from there. So I think I think that I'll tell you this. I'm like T-Dub. If that's what works for you, I'm okay with it. But for goodness sakes, if you can't do it in 30 seconds, then get the hell out of my way because I'm coming through, okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. I don't care what you do. Just do it within 30 seconds. That's all I ask anybody out there playing golf. Whatever you're going to do, 
get it done in 30 seconds and fire. That's all I want. I couldn't agree more with that, Woody. And speaking of the broomstick putter, like you brought up earlier, I know a guy that might have wanted to throw his broomstick putter in the lake. That's been on my pick for last week, fellas. He has the three-and-a-half-footer to extend the playoff. It was the classic Mongolian reversal where you think you're about to have a a three-and-a-half-footer to win the golf tournament. Grayson Murray pulls one out of his butt, and then all of a sudden you have a a three-and-a-half-footer that looks like a 20-footer now after Grayson Murray makes that, and you have to make the three-and-a-half-footer to tie and not to win. That putt just gets so much longer, right, T-Dub? It's all about pressure. Well, you said it best. It was just a classic Mongolian reversal. You think about it. I was sitting there, and I was prepared to think, oh, Sam's going to get get another win. This is absolutely tremendous, and I'm getting ready to say the great pick, Sam. Text, I didn't have it yet i didn't say oh you're looking good or anything like that so i was waiting for the moment to happen and then Grayson murray out of nowhere just makes that putt it was absolutely insane but then on for the week he almost gained a full shot on the greens he putted tremendously really his iron play is what let him down he was about neutral on that category and he finished fourth at the century the week before so then on's off to a very very good start to the year and looking at the putting this is not some fluke type thing over the last uh what is that eight events Seven of the eight, he's gained strokes gain on the green. So, Woody, seems like the broomstick's been working for him, but unfortunately, the pressure moments are something you can't replicate until you're in that moment. And Ben on being there with a three-and-a-half-footer, with the mindset of thinking he's going to have it to win, just hit him out of nowhere and says that, oh, well, now he has to do it to tie in a situation where he wasn't extremely comfortable. And he got exposed for it, but I think he'll learn from it and be better next time. Like I said, off to a great start, and who knows, this may make him better, or it could it could haunt him at night because those are things that do uh, – you definitely lose some sleep whenever that happens. Oh, for sure. I think that's a classic example, though, where we talk about don't ever assume. Because what do they always say when you assume you can make an ass out of you and me? <laughs> what, what he did is he assumed that they were both going to miss. And you can't. You have to believe in your mind. When he's looking at that putt, he's got to be thinking – I might need to make this to tie. I might need to make it to win. But either way, I got to make this putt. I got to get focused on this putt. And I think he did get kind of caught with his pants down, guys, because all of a sudden that bomb went in. He was like, oh, Lord. Oh, okay. But I even think the broomstick putter, I mean, you guys saw that one. Lucas Glover missed one from 18 inches. (laughs) He is definitely going to win the Lucas Glover Award award for worst putt of the year this year, and it's only the Sony Open. But to be honest with you, that's strictly where he aimed the putt, and he hit it firm. (laughs) I mean, and I think Ben on aimed the putt too far to the right. Whether he thought it was going to break or one, I don't know. But I think when you watch those guys with even those broomsticks, it's all about, well, if you don't aim it on the line you're wanting the ball to start on, it, it's kind of like when I teach kid about, uh, ask him if you ever shot a gun uh, or a rifle, you know, there's your bullet, there's your target. If you don't aim that bullet at that target, well, guess what? You can shoot that thing all day long and you're going to miss every time. So I think that is as much, I think Lucas Glover's would just, he wasn't paying attention. I don't know what he was doing, but it, it just goes to show you guys that hole is only four and a half inches, okay? And, and you can miss from any distance if you're not paying attention. I think on 
just got a little bit flustered after that bomb went in. But he did, like T-Dub said, he's been putting wonderfully. So what he's got to do is say, you know what? Okay, I had a chance. I screwed it up. But uh, I'm still putting good. I'm going to go the next week and putt better. No doubt. Luckily for Ben on, he is going to be in the major championships this year. He's 23rd on Data Golf. 39th in the official world golf ranking, but he's second in the FedEx Cup list right now. If he keeps playing the way he's played, whether it be at the Sony tying for second last week, solo fourth at the Century, he back at the Wyndham he finished tied for second, and at the Genesis Scottish Open at the end of last year he finished uh, tied for third there as well. He's a guy that will eventually pop, but he's just waiting on his time and um, unfortunately that putt didn't go in. It did cost him about $700,000, but it seems like his career is headed in the right direction. Um, The last thing on the Sony Open, fellas, is there for a while after the first day, Austin Eckroat was playing great. Even after three rounds, our man Sam Stevens was playing really well as as well. T-Dub, what were your thoughts on the Oklahoma guys? It didn't necessarily end the way they wanted it to end, but some bright spots definitely for Austin Eckroat and Sam Stevens. Yeah, it was. It's good to see that. Able to get some momentum going in to next year. Like you said, had their, had their good moments, but also had some moments. A little bit of look and reflect on, but it's just a testament to how fine of a line that it is at the highest level. We, we documented that heavily on our last show, Woody. I just feel like that these boys, they're, they're definitely close, and they're taking the steps needed that to get to where they want to be. The problem is, is that you have to have the growing pains along the way, unless you're a Tiger Woods generational talent where you can kind of leapfrog some of them. But even as talented as these guys are, Woody, they got to go through the trials and turbulations, but they're well on their way to being very successful uh, professional golfers. Oh, no doubt about it. But you know what's, What's tough right now, though, guys, is, is we don't we don't know when this is all going to take shape or live, and the, the PGA Tour and everybody's going to come together. But the the future is pretty obvious. What we're going to have, we're going to have a much smaller tour. Okay, now we're going to have whether it's what do they call the corn ferry or whatever. Is that going to migrate up into uh, maybe a PGA B team? I don't know, but. Right now, the future is you need to get as high up on that rankings as you can so that if this thing comes to fold, so to speak, if they all get together and they figure this out, you're not going to have a whole lot of time. And so if you're one of those top 70, 75 players, you're pretty safe. Whatever they come up with, you're going to have a place to play for big money. Okay. Not that the secondary level is going to play for really kind of not big money, but nothing like these other guys are going to play. So I want Austin and Sam, when they get those chances, boy, take advantage of them. Doggone it. I know they're both kicking themselves because they didn't play good on Sunday and they're going to have to next time they get into that position, boy, they got to make hay when they can because it could happen overnight, guys. All of a sudden, that PGA Tour and Live get together, and we got some kind of world tour, and they go boom, 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 boom. And now, all of a sudden, you've got 75 to 100 players that get to play here, and everybody else is playing over here. And I think it's coming. I think it's coming sooner than we think. No doubt. Both those guys obviously played their golf at Oklahoma State. 
And speaking of Oklahoma State, our man flushing it, who always nails these scoops, fellas, had this to say a couple days ago. This was on Monday. He tweeted out, Wyndham Clark has been in negotiations to join Live Golf since before Christmas and is moving ever closer to a deal, although it's not 100% confirmed yet. If John Rahm's live team, Legion 13, consists of Wyndham Clark, Caleb Surratt, and then the Asian Tour qualifier, uh, how would you rate that? That's what Flushing It tweeted out. Now, nothing 100% confirmed, but if John Rahm's team, fellas, were to include and were to add the U.S. Open champion Wyndham Clark plus a really good young player from Tennessee, Caleb Surratt. T-Dub, what would be your thoughts? That would be one of the best gifts they could get. Also, the U.S. Open champion, that would be absolutely monumental. Wyndham Clark well on his way, a Ryder Cup member as well. So, yeah, that would be absolutely tremendous. Our man flushing it, usually spot on with stuff like that. We'll have to wait and see exactly how all develops, Woody. But if it comes to be, then that would be uh, a really interesting thing to to be able to see how that transpires down the road you know Wyndham Clark is I, I tell you guys he was a lot maybe not the stature of John Rahm yet but he's also just won the U.S. Open guess what he's exempt at for the next five years ten years okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he gets them all he's the perfect kind of guy much more so than Xander and Cantley they don't have the luxury of being exempt for the next five-plus years in all those majors, okay? Wyndham Clark does. He's just like John Rahm was. So if they're throwing enough money out there, and basically what have we said all along, guys, we know this is going to take – we know these two are going to get together. We know something is going to merge in the next 12 months. Why wouldn't you take that big chunk of money and bolt and go over there and play, you know, a minimum schedule with a lot of money involved in it. You're in all the majors. I don't know. I think flushing it might have it spot on. I think it would make all the sense in the world for a guy like Wyndham Clark. As far as Caleb Surratt, a really good young college player, we saw – Eugenio Lopez Chikara do it. We saw Lou Vigo Bear and the Cootie brothers and Austin Ekro. They did not do it. They didn't want to take the risk. Eugenio did. He got his money, but he has no status. Those guys now have status, and Eugenio doesn't. So it would be interesting for these college guys to have to make such a million dollar decision coming right out of college, T Dub. But it sounds like if they were to get a guy like Surratt, uh, that's kind of what the PGA Tour was scared of when, you know, the reason why they're doing five extra guys on PGA Tour, you and Ludwig Gobert going straight to the PGA Tour. That's the type of stuff that the PGA Tour was trying to prevent with PGA Tour, you. But it would be interesting if Liv got it done anyways with a guy like that. Yeah, we knew that this was going to be coming down the road. There's just no way that you can overturn it. You go to a college kid and you say, hey, here's a lot of money, millions of dollars. What are you going to do with it? And it's hard to say, no, I would rather go ahead and grind my way out there. But a lot of people want to have the prestige of, of playing in major championships and going over to live was definitely a hard thing to do. But, but Woody, it doesn't matter what age you are. When someone offers you what could potentially be life-changing for generational wealth amount of, of cash, it's hard to say no and so, yeah, it's not a shock that they would go after someone like 
roster, right? And he's a very, very great player. He's got the extremely amounts of talent. So it'd be a great game. It looks like that John Rom is going to have a very, very solid team whenever we see the first little bit. That's for sure. We don't want things. John Rom's not just sitting at home twiddling his thumb. He's putting together something that's going to make a splash, okay? And I think, I think just, just here's my thoughts on this. A lot of these college guys, they're so, what they think they are so good that they can go ahead and take millions up front. They can go do this for a little while. And then, hey, when I'm ready, I'm going to go waltzing right out there and I'm going to kick butt. Okay. So, and more power to them. Why? That's why they're successful. They have that kind of confidence in themselves. What we talked about, when you talk about generational wealth, um, I've never had it thrown at me. Uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'd fold like a cheap suit. I'd take that money and I'd run. <laughs> but I never had it. I won't ever have it in my lifetime. So I got nothing to worry about. So I think John Rom and the Legion 13 will come out with a darn good team, guys. We've said this. We have been spot on this whole time with this lib and what's going on. We said he's got at least one more big-time guy going to be on that team. Well, Wyndham Clark, pretty big-time, current U.S. Open champion. Yeah, he would fit the bill for sure. We'll keep you updated on that story as it moves along. Um, we talked Grayson Murray. We talked John Rahm's team on live. Let's talk about Rory last week at the Dubai Invitational. Rory McIlroy standing on the 18T with a one-shot lead over Tristan Lawrence and Tommy Fleetwood, playing with Tommy Fleetwood in that final round. And Rory steps up and duck hooks this ball right into the lake. And Tommy Fleetwood ends up birdieing 18 to win the golf tournament by one at 19 under par. Rory finishes tied for second with Tristan Lawrence at 18 under par. Ends up making a bogey on 18 because of hitting that tee shot into the water, fellas. This was a classic choke job, and by one of the greatest drivers of the golf ball, or at least I'm told, in the world, Rory McIlroy. T-Dub, what were your thoughts on Rory kind of puking down his leg and Tommy Fleetwood taking advantage of it? It was probably the best weekend a Rory McIlroy hater could have possibly had. It was absolutely epic. You mentioned the drive on 18, again left, and then earlier on the back nine, he proceeds, Rory does, proceeds to birdie 11, 12, and 13, on 14, the part three hits it in there at about two and a half feet. Looks like he's going to make four in a row. Hits a, he pushes this putt, and then it, it misses very, very low, and he tried to go firm in the back, and so he misses. It's about three and a half footer coming back for par, and he misses that one. It was as you never see a pro three putt from inside of three feet, and that is exactly what happened, Woody, but yet he birdies two of the next three holes after that, has a chance to, to win on 18, but then you have a birdie bogey situation where uh, Fleet was able to come in and steal the trophy from him. It was absolutely epic what it was over in the very first inaugural Dubai Invitation. It was the first year of this tournament. So it was a very, very good finish with some big-name players. So it was a very interesting tournament for sure. And Roy McIlroy haters, are, they're licking their chops uh, after seeing this finish. Well, we know I'm not a big fan. But a hater, I might not be a hater, but you know what? He's the classic example we talked about last week about the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Didn't have long arms, okay? God doesn't give everything. Well, obviously, he didn't give Rory a brain. 
because somewhere this son buck just has brain farts beyond belief. I mean, he is one of the best, if not the best golfer out there. He is a world-class driver until he has to be. Then he sucks, okay? He's a world-class putter until he just goes off the map and, like I said, three putts from two and a half feet. Tommy Fleetwood is thinking, how do I beat this guy? And you don't, Tommy. You just let him beat himself. Because how many guys, how many times have these guys just sat around waiting for Rory to step on himself? He doesn't do it every time, guys. He's won a lot of golf tournaments. But, uh, you know, the more the pressure, the more he tends to not impress me. Okay, how about that? Rory McIlroy is the Dak Prescott of professional golf, fellas. He's great until it's time for him to make something happen. When the lights are the brightest, when the pressure is the highest, Rory McIlroy, I said this quote about Dak Prescott on the radio earlier this week, Rory McIlroy folds like a lawn chair just like Dak does. And so, look. Under pressure, he's a different player, and we've seen it in major after major after major that were in the palm of his hand, and uh, no different in the Dubai Invitational over there, and good good win for Tommy Fleetwood, but man, I mean, to lose the golf tournament after you have a one-shot lead on 18, you got to screw up pretty bad, and like T-Dub said, should have never even been in that situation in the first place due to the three-putt from two-and-a-half feet unbelievable collapse from Rory McIlroy. But hey, Rory, we are starting to agree. Rory, after uh, one of his rounds at the Dubai Invitational, did say that he's looking forward to the new era of professional golf, thinks that it could possibly look like the Champions League in soccer at one point. So Rory's coming around on the live stuff. Maybe I shouldn't be so hard on him. He has come around a lot. It really is. Like 2024, we entered a parallel universe with the things that Rory's, Rory has been saying. And it's good. So, yeah, you got to give him credit for there. And I would have loved to have been able to compliment him on his golf because he played stellar golf all week except for the three-putt from three feet, as we mentioned, and then the last drive on 18, which was absolutely horrible. It was just a straight snap hook. It was – you have to – it was had to have been at least 30 yards offline to be left. And that water was – while it's visually there, it's not necessarily a, for a driver of Rory McIlroy's caliber what he should be it was not necessarily should have been at play, but it ended up being, and yeah, it's, it's like same story, different day with Rory Macro on the golf course, but Woody, at least he has come around off the course. So maybe I could start rooting for him a little bit more because I do love his golf game. And he's always been one of my favorite players, but over these last year or so, the things that he said has really rubbed me the wrong way, but I'm going to try to give him the benefit of the doubt and start rooting for him again. You know what? This shows you how good he is. So think about this for a minute, guys. I mean, he can step on himself more than anybody I've ever witnessed. How many golf tournaments has he blown? Think how many he's won, but how many has he blown? I mean, I guarantee you, if we could go back. Just go through last year. Just go through last year. Just go through last year. I mean, you have this one in Dubai. 
he finished fourth at the Tour Championship, fourth at the BMW, sixth at the Open. Oh, I forgot the FedEx St. Jude where he finished tied for third. He did win the Scottish Open at a great stinger into the win. That was awesome. But seventh at the Travelers, second at the U.S. Open, third at the Dell Technologies match play. I mean, and I'm not even counting top sevens and top nines. He has a ton of those no, as well. No, How many no. tournaments – or majors are in the palm of Rory McIlroy's hand, and he can't get it done. It's not just one time. It's not just some one-off deal anymore with Rory McIlroy. It's turning into who nope. he is. Okay, so Sam, what was the difference when he first came out and he dominated in those majors? Why was he doing it when he was younger? When you think experience is going to make you a better player and a better finisher, He's got worse as he's gotten older. Why do you guys think that is? In my opinion, it all started at Augusta when he had that big meltdown and it's scar tissue from that point on and then had some other tournaments where things didn't go his way after that and it's scar tissue after scar tissue and it turns into a, like I said, Dak Prescott deal with the Dallas Cowboys. Here we go again. That's my opinion is he just kind of senses oh no here we go again and then he gets all uptight and turns into a completely different golfer is at least my opinion t-dub that's 100 percent middle you see it not only on the golf swing but mental decisions that he's made coming down the stretch of in particularly major championships as we've documented numerous times in the past and yeah you mentioned what happened early in his career at augusta that has probably scarred him at that golf course in particular i don't know if he'll ever be able to win the masters with how weak that his mental state has been but his talent is excruciating is so high it's crazy earlier in 2023 he was playing top 10 analytic golf that we've ever seen it was the best that he was playing in his career and top 10 all time it was absolutely crazy how good he's been you look at every single aspect of his game he's a great putter now he's a good chipper he hasn't been the best chipper recently but overall is it's there great iron player and obviously one of the best drivers of that the golf game has ever seen so yeah there's a lot to build on woody but if he doesn't fix what's going on between the ears right now it's going, to be, it's going to be hard for him to be able to do it in major championships because he's proving that he can't do it in some Dubai Invitational where he got a sponsor's invite to play. Or not sponsor's invite, but wherever they give you all the money to play or whatever it's called. Well, let me ask you again. Here's another question for you guys. If Rory McIlroy was to change caddies, what do you think would happen? Nothing. I, I don't think that Nothing has anything to do Nothing. with it. I think okay. it's in between Nothing his ears. Though. That's the problem. Okay. I was just thinking if you get a different guy on the bag, they can maybe get him through those train wrecks. Mm-hmm. You put something in his brain positive. But uh, I don't, I, hey, you know what? I don't like the guy. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, can, he can step on himself every week. I think it's kind of funny to listen to everybody talk about how great he is. No, he's not. When you talk about great golfers, come to mind, they always won when they got the lead. Tiger never lost when he got the lead. Well, he did towards the end, but not very often. Okay, Jack Nicklaus, he didn't lose once he got the lead. Now, he was always behind catching guys, waiting for him to fold, but where Tiger would run off and leave everybody. But those two guys, they didn't back up. Uh, Nick Faldo didn't back up back in his day either, so I could keep going. There's a bunch of guys that I knew that played golf. They never backed up. Oh, this guy, he's got full reverse. 
I mean, he can go backwards faster than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, and those great guys with assassins mentalities, the Mamba mentality that we always talk about, those great players in the past would not have let a guy like Brooks Kepka come and win five majors on their watch since the last time that he won one. You know what I mean? It's no just way. not going to happen if you're Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Nick Faldo. I could go on and on about Arnold Palmer. These elite players, elite. I'm not, and I'm splitting hairs with Rory McIlroy. He's great, but I don't put him in the class with the. I mean, Tiger's in a class by himself, so is Jack. But then I I don't even put Rory in that elite class with, you know, Faldo and Watson and Lee Trevino yeah. even. You know what I mean? I you don't can't. put him in no, that class. Can't. I don't. I don't either. It, you know, and can you imagine if Rory McIlroy had the mentality of Ben Hogan, how many he'd won? Ben Hogan, another obvious oh. name that you can mention. Well, but, but you talk about an assassin. Yeah. That's what I mean. If 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 you'd had if Rory could have had Hogan's brain, oh my, gee whiz! I mean, or Jacks, or mm-hmm. Tigers, any of these guys we're talking about. But that's what I told you. You know, he's a little bit of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. His short arms is is between his ears. That's right. Uh, uh, well, spe- and guys, go we, ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say we saw it at Southern Hills in twenty twenty two. He can do things with a golf ball that no one else in the world can do. That driver is unbelievable how the height and how far it goes. Some of the angles he's able to take some of those holes at Southern was absolutely ludicrous and no other golfer. Well, very, there's a few other people that can, but it's so, it's so much different than everyone else's too. It was just, you, we talk about where he stands in legends of the game. Talent wise, when you look at the physical aspect of it, he's one probably undoubtedly a top five in that aspect. But the problem is, is that golf encompasses everything and encompasses, your mental aspect, and Rory doesn't have that. And Sam brought up the scar tissue earlier. The fact that this is happening in the Dubai Invitational and not just in the major championships proves that he's going to have a lot more levels to go. And eventually with his talent, he, I assume that he'll break through. If it's gotten so bad, maybe it won't. But he's, it's going to have to take that breakthrough moment. He's going to have to have other guys fold around him for him to potentially do it. And Tommy Fleetwood goes down birdies 18, doesn't give him the opportunity. Well, he better have a really big lead, guys. If he's going to ever win another major, he better have an astronomical lead. Well, and that's where he's won his majors, right, Woody? And so, speaking of <laughs> Rory winning, he is the defending champion this week at the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. It's old Dubai Desert Classic that Tiger always used to go play in, but Rory is the defending champion, has a 23.6% chance to win the golf tournament. That's extremely high, according to Data Golf. Um, Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Cam Young, and Rasmus and Nikolai Hoig guard also up there as some of your analytic favorites this week t-dub what are your thoughts on the dubai desert classic this week coming off the dubai invitational it's absolutely stellar field out there there's some great players as you said rory 23.6 percent chance he absolutely loves this course he's played it a numerous amount of times one last year finished i believe third the year before that that's what he loves that place i expect him to probably do very similar to what he did this week and uh, probably have some lead, probably finish top five. I guarantee you, his odds of finishing top five this week analytically are 54.5%. I would load up on that. He's going to finish top five for sure. But the win is where you have to look at it. with some great players around him. As you mentioned, Hatton, Fleetwood, Cam Young, Rasmus, and then you have Joaquin Neiman. Who, okay, By the way, how are guy live guys playing in this for the casual golf fan? Can you explain it to them, T-Dub? Uh, <laughs> I almost called you T-Bag. Sorry, I've been doing too much radio on the sports animal. 
Well, for for Neiman, I heard or I saw something I believe yesterday that he had actually gotten DP World Tour membership and he's going to play and he's going to to obviously try to get the world ranked. But I, there's some this whole thing is so convoluted now. I have no idea exactly how it's working. I know they have the lawsuit thing where then they they had a potential to play uh, for a few tournaments and then they said no, they couldn't, and now they can apply for DP membership and then they have the fines and. And I don't know. It's it's so crazy right now. It's, it's just an extra layer to the pie that we don't know. But overall, and absolutely still, I feel Brian Harmon's over playing as well. Mentioned Tristan Lawrence earlier, who finished second in the what uh, tied with Rory at the Dubai Invitational. He's also in the field. So yeah, very very good field over in Dubai. And this is the tourist. I remember being such a Tiger fan as I was, staying up late at night in this to watch this tournament because halfway around the world. And I absolutely loved it. That Tiger got paid lots of money to go over there and play. A lot of these other guys do the same thing. Dubai has grown so much since watching the Tiger days. It's probably, if it isn't already now, it will eventually be the capital of the world. So it's great to see great players at a great place. And I can't wait to see how it turns out. You know, years ago, Dubai wasn't that big. It wasn't that big a place. And now it's just huge. So uh, it, it's why everybody keeps talking. We need a world tour. So, I don't, you know what, guys? I'm I'm more interested in the American Express deal. I want to see what the uh, the guys in our country do. I'm, I really don't care about Dubai. I think that the best bet of the week for the Dubai Desert Classic, as much stuff as I just talked on Rory McIlroy, I do think that T Dub hit it right on the head. If you can get a decent price on a Rory McIlroy top five bet, that seems like a sure lock to me. Uh, Fellas, let's go ahead and hit a break after the break. Then we will talk about Bernard Longer and then finish up with the American Express here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. Hey, everyone. T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage, and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. We are back on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. If you are not already following us on social media, go ahead and do so. It's at the 73rd Hole on X and at 73rd Hole on Instagram. And also go to golfoklahoma.org or thesportsanimal.com and the Sports Animal app. Our podcast is right there on the podcast page on the Sports Animal and on the front page on Golf Oklahoma. Dot org fellas Bernard Longer announced today that he will be playing in the Masters for the last time in 2024 two-time Masters champion fellas I know a lot of people either love him or hate him he's an absolute robot some people say he anchors the long putter some people say he doesn't but 
all in all, an unbelievable career from Bernard Longer, and uh, he's got to be the greatest old golfer, with lack of a better term, fellas, than anyone that I've ever seen. He had a longer success period, fellas, than anybody in the history of golf. Well, he truly did. His longevity has proven to be timeless up to up to this point. But Father Time does remain undefeated, as we're seeing. He has 46 Champions Tour wins. That's absolutely insane. He has 42. He had 42 European Tour wins, three wins on the PGA Tour. And as you mentioned, he was a two-time Masters champion in 85, I believe, and then 93 was the other year. So, legendary career. I thought it was very interesting being able to watch him at the 2021 Senior PGA when it was at Southern. And he just hit everything so straight, but there was not much height to it at all. And I'm thinking, there's going to be some holes where he's not going to be able to hold the green because he's going to be coming in with too much club. And then the height on the ball, he's not able to generate enough spin. So, it's going to be a tough time around Southern. Obviously, his placement of the ball was able to get him around. I can't remember exactly where he finished, but he wasn't. He did contend for the tournament. For sure, and I'm thinking, man, he goes out and plays Augusta. It's going to be tough sledding. And you look at him recently, or yeah, recently at Augusta, he had he missed the cut the last three years, so that's probably showing why he's not playing. But before that, he had made the cut three years in a row, and then not it seems like not too long ago, but 2016, which is eight years ago now, he finished 24th, and then 2014, a decade ago now, which is absolutely crazy because I remember him being up there. He finished tied eighth. So obviously, we've talked numerous times about Augusta, where you can just if you know how to play the course, you can get around it in particularly. But Woody Bernhard, legendary career. But I think just as I said, Father Time's undefeated. And physically, golf-wise, he just couldn't get enough height on the ball, can't generate enough spin to hold and to play 7,500-yard golf courses. Man. No, he the golf course outgrew him uh, for sure. Uh, but talent-wise, I mean, he was amazing. He uh, His golf swing wasn't much to look at, he, uh, but he was just uh, – you talk about an assassin. This guy was uh, all business. He's he's always been all business. What's hard for me to fathom is he's the same age as I am, guys, and he has done nothing his whole life to play golf. That's it. I mean, not the little golf, a lot of golf, tournament golf. Um, So, you know, uh, whereas I've kind of said I was done a few years ago, I didn't even feel like I got any butterflies at majors. That's why I said I'm not even worried about it. I I shouldn't even be here. So here's the thing. You think about this for a minute, 66 years old, and he's still going to walk around Augusta. Now you can understand that's not easy to do, as you got to see it last year. Not at all. 66 years old, he's going to walk around there. He's probably going to walk around there for two rounds. Well, he'll play a couple practice rounds, maybe. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a phenomenal is what I would tell you. I still, I would feel a lot better about him if he didn't have that long putter with all these wins he's had. But, you know what, that, that obviously they don't think he's illegal or they wouldn't let him keep winning. So good for him that he knows when to quit. This is a good time for him to say, you know what, guys, well, I've had enough of this place. Well, he's not necessarily saying that he's quitting playing 
competitive golf. He is saying no, that he's quitting no, the major championships, and, and obviously this will be his last Masters, and he said that the 2024 U.S. Open at Pinehurst uh, will probably be his last major. But, guys, 12 senior majors and 123 professional wins, fellas. I mean, that's just unheard of stuff. Yeah. 123 yeah, professional wins. And I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if he wins again on the senior tour sometime in the future. Um, but, I mean, how, how old is he, fellas? He, he was born in 57. 66. So he's 66. He's 66. Yeah, 66. Unbelievable. He's 66. That's he's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, Any other what, thoughts on Bernard, T-Dub? Well, he mentioned, yeah, on a champion's tour, just going back to early last year, he finished 8th and 2nd, 25th and 11th his last four starts. So, I mean, that's a decent amount of, of money to be playing, just go out there to do what he loved to do. As we know, Barnhart does, or he would have definitely hung it up at this point. But, yeah, he's, it's going to be interesting to see if he can win again on the PJ Tour and or on the champion's tour. I mean, but, yeah, as what he just said, uh, I guess the National outgrew him. And, uh, you know, hopefully he does have a, a good finish this last year out there because it would be great to see him have his finish on Sunday as opposed to Friday. And what do you played in these senior major championships or senior tournaments uh, on, on the PGA Tour champions? I mean, a lot of casual golf fans might look at Bernard Longer's achievements on the champions tour and say, oh, well, it's the champions tour. Explain to people how tough it actually is to win on that tour. My goodness. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I I will tell you this, the Champions Tour was harder to get on than the PGA Tour. That's how locked in it is. There's no spots to speak of. It is a brutal tour to try to get on. And I'm not going to say the whole field is really good, but you go 15, 20, 25, 30 guys deep into that, that tour, and if you think you can match up with them just jump on out there because they'll wear your little fanny out they are still really really good okay they're just not long anymore they can't hit it anywhere but i say they can't hit anywhere they're still almost 300 yards even on that tour a lot of them are so they they just play golf at a little bit smaller level but if you think they can't play you're wrong there's really good players on that champions tour i hear guys still to this day back in the days i'd hear talk about well you know this guy shoots really good at his home course he's under par every day i think he's going to go try the pga tour and <laughs> this guy you know when he turns 50 he's going to go right out there and make money and i just look at him i go well you're freaking nuts what did what's traver call him all the time yard, yard birds bird. yeah you're just a yard, yard bird, bird. You, you morons and you don't I used to try to explain it. Now I don't even bother anymore, Sam. I just go, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Go waste you about fifty, sixty thousand dollars <laughs> chasing that, and then come on back home with your tail between your legs because they're going to beat the dog dump out of you. Is what's going to happen to you? And what he just explained how tough it is. And Bernard Longer has won twelve, count them, twelve senior major championships and a hundred and twenty-three. Yeah professional golf tournaments that's absolutely ridiculous fellas we could talk about bernard for a lot longer but we don't have time today the last thing fellas we got the american express this weekend the old bob hope and it's at la quinta country club pga west nicholas tournament course and then the pete die 
Stadium course out there in Palm Springs. Your top five favorites for the week are Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Sungjae M, and Sam Burns. Also, some big names like Finau and Justin Thomas and Min Woo Lee as well. T-Dub, what are your thoughts on the favorites at the American Express? Does it come out of some of those guys I just named? It's a really loaded field. It really is, especially at the top. I mean, you got the guys that played on the Ryder Cup team. You got Sung Jay, who's going to end up being one of my picks coming up. And then you got Min Woo Lee, who I think is going to have an absolute stellar year. He just absolutely bombs the ball. Justin Thomas is going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to turn it around. You look at the history of this course and the under par score ever since they went to, it used to be five round tournament and went back when it was the Bob Hope and it lost that name. I still wish it was called that, but that's another story for another day. I believe the, the score under par has always been 20 under or more. And then it's usually around 25, 26 under. So it's going to be very similar to what Kapalua was. It's going to be an absolute birdie fest. It's just straight up arena golf out there. There's usually not any wind. There, there's no rough whatsoever. It's very lush grass. Not a whole lot of trickery to the three courses that they play, with the exception of PGA Stadium course, which coming out when it was first made, the PGA Tour players revolted and said, we're not going to play that course. They end up making it a little bit easier now. So they play uh, there. But those guys now, because they get their driver so accurately and long, that it, it still makes that course easier than what it used to be. So Woody, I expect a lot of birdies this week, and I expect at least three to four of those top guys to have a shot at this thing come Sunday. But there will be one or two names who come off the wall. It's kind of the trend for this tournament. Well, it's another crap shoot. It's like we talked about there with Sony when we were trying – you said top five. I don't I don't know. I, those top five are really good. They easily could be one of them. But with the field as strong as it is, I don't think so. And, and you hit the nail on the head, T-Dub. I, I used to play a lot of golf in the desert, and it is – it's really the most perfect conditions for golf you'll ever play in. Grass is perfect. Green conditions are perfect. There's not a breath of wind. It's usually about 75 degrees. And these I courses mean, are easy, too. I mean, add in that yeah, factor, they're not right? Hard. Yeah. Yeah, they're not hard. They're not. You guys got to remember, these golf courses, This Palm Springs is based on the amateurs. It's not based on pros. All these clubs out there are for snowbirds. It's for guys from Oklahoma and guys from New York. My point is this is no Greyhawk, right, Woody? No, it's not. No, these golf courses are not hard. They are not hard at all. They And it's like I said, it's absolutely perfect weather. So it'll be a birdie fest again, and they'll go, they'll go low. And uh, winning scores got to be close to 18 to 23 under, something like that. Who knows? But it, it is, I'll tell you what, though, if you want to go someplace and have just perfect conditions to play golf in, Palm Springs in January, February, March is pretty doggone good. Guys, when the courses get easy, I look for putting when I'm making my picks because everyone's going to hit a ton of fairways and a ton of greens. So I want to see who's been putting good recently and who has putted well at these courses in the past. And This week, I came up with a name who is sneakily the 13th-ranked golfer analytically on data golf in the world, including live players as well. Eric Cole, who was the rookie of the year last year, 
Older rookie of the year. He's 35 years old and seven months right now, but he's 38th in the official world golf ranking, but 13th on data golf. So I feel like I'm getting some value there. And listen to his last three tournaments on the greens. At the Sony, he gained a full shot per round on the greens. At the Century, he gained 1.26 shots per round on the greens. At the RSM, he gained 2.12 shots per round on the greens. And last year at the American Express, even though he finished tied for 36, he hit the ball off the tee horrible. But if he can keep it in the fairway this week, he gained 1.49, almost a shot and a half on the greens per round last year at the American Express. So I feel like Eric Cole is a guy who I'm not going to pick in some signature event or a major championship. So when we're talking about one and done, fellas. This seems like the best option for me this week. Give me Eric Cole, the rookie of the year from last year. Yeah, I, I ran out Eric Cole last week, Sam, and he had a, a very solid finish. I wish I would have had your, your Ben on, even though as excruciating as that would have been, I still would have liked the overall cast that he ended up making. I'm going to go ahead and use a halfway bigger name. I'm going to run out Sun J.M. He absolutely loves this course. He makes a lot of uh, – has always had a high finish here in the five times he's played it. He hasn't finished worse than 18th. But the problem is is that in those five appearances, his best finish is 10th. So he hopefully he can break that top 10 barrier. I think that he will. He finished 5th at the 10th trailer, as I mentioned earlier. He, or before the season, he finished 12th at the Zozo. So, yeah, been playing exceptionally great golf, the 11th player analytically. So I'm going to go ahead and go with him. Let's go ahead and keep an eye on Wyndham Clark. Who we mentioned him earlier. He's in this field, and he's had some decent finishes here. He finished 13th in 2022, and then he finished 9th or 18th back in 2019, Woody. So, a guy who may be potentially on his way, yeah, we'll go ahead and keep an eye on Wyndham Clark. Maybe for your one and done, if you don't think that he'll be on the PJ Tour much longer, maybe you go ahead and run him out. The guy I'm really wanting to see this week, believe it or not, Justin Thomas. Um, that was a rough year he had last year, guys. Really rough year. And uh, whereas he kind of came at the end, showed some signs, uh, I- I'm looking to see what he's got this year because. He's also in a critical spot right now as far as where he is on the money list and where he is in rankings and everything else. He's got to get his stuff together and get up into that top 50 so that he gets into all these signature events and everything else. So I'm going to be watching him. That's the one I'm the most interested in. I think, Sam, you you're, you got a really good point with that point. The greens on all these golf, the golf courses they're playing, they're all a little bit different. I mean, uh, La Quinta Country Club is pretty much basic, pretty flat greens, where PGA West Stadium Course has got some undulations to them. So um, it, it's a bunch of different types of golf courses and greens that they're going to roll it on. But um, again, what you're going to want to watch is how good the weather is. And it looks like they're going to have great weather. I was looking at the forecast. So uh, they're going to go low. And uh, I, like I said, I'm not a one and done guy. So I'm going to listen to your odds and uh, I'll root for you. How about that? No doubt. Speaking of JT, he hasn't played in this golf tournament since 2015. So a little bit of a change in the schedule for JT, maybe trying to get going a little bit earlier on in the year. Pretty smart move, in my opinion, for Justin Thomas to be playing in one of these non-elevated events this week at the American Express. Uh, Like I said, Sam Burns, obviously another good pick this week. JT Poston, maybe a guy you would run out in a one-and-done, a guy that can really roll the rock. You know, a a guy like Jason Day has been playing some really solid golf as well. 
Uh, and then Chris Kirk as well, obviously winning the century. So some really good names this year in the American Express. The last thing I was going to ask you guys about the Bob Hope is back in 1999, obviously David Duvall shot a 59, and I saw some highlights this morning, and it was going through his final round shooting that 59. It was the most rock-solid ball-striking performance I've ever seen and just looked silky smooth. T-Dub, do you have any memories of that? I was a little too young to necessarily remember that, and I know you were young as well, but what were your memories of David Duvall, if you have any? Well, I didn't – I remember – I don't remember that event actually live. I remember seeing the highlights of it, but I remember watching David Duvall growing up. Absolutely. I, he was – him and Tiger, man. I would say Tiger was the go, but dude, Duvall, if he got up there on the leaderboard, you had to at least watch out for him because he was extremely talented. It was sad to see what happened to his career. You thought he would have been so great to see him have a little bit more longevity because you look at it analytically, his peak, he was the third best golfer of all time. That's well going back to 1985 or 1990-something, 19, somewhere in that range. He's top three golfer. That was in 1999, right around the time that uh, he had, she shot that 59. So yeah, the only two, obviously Tiger is, is way ahead. And then VJ in 2004 was a little bit better than him. analytically. so Duvall, an absolutely legendary player. Wish we would have got to see him play a little bit longer, Woody, but being able to shoot a 59 in the final round, that's pretty baller no matter what course it is. I'll tell you what, he was really, really solid guys. Uh, now starting out though, David Duvall had trouble winning for the longest time he couldn't close a golf tournament uh but boy once he did once he figured out how to do it he was second to none now sam you're watching those highlights do you remember who he was playing with in that group that day i can't no who was he playing with bob Tway. really i didn't even realize that i gotta watch him again and see i I saw him on twitter this morning and i didn't even realize that was Tway with him yeah, it was Brillo. Brillo was playing with him. He sure was. He was. He, I always remember asking <laughs> when I saw Bob. It was kind of right after that. It wasn't very long after, and I said, "Because at that time, guys, fifty nine weren't. You know, they they're still pretty special, but it was really special, especially in the final round, and that was on a par seventy two golf course. Okay, so again, that that that." 13 under par, you know. So, um, you know, Clay just said just what you said, uh, Sam. He said, what do you, I got to tell you, I mean, he never missed a shot. I mean, every shot was going at the flag. Every drive was right down the middle of the fairway. Every putt looked like it was going in. He said, uh, you know, I'm trying to play my game, but at the time it was hard not to realize how low they were going. And it, it wasn't till the back nine that Bob Bob started talking to his caddy at the time. I can't remember the guy's name, but I, did, I loved him. He was such a cool dude. And they were going like, how many under is this son of a bitch? <laughs> so then they started, they started looking at the placards, you know, the sign going around with them, the score guy with them. And, and they, they started doing the math and they go, holy crap. You know, and then when he birdied eighteen to shoot fifty nine, uh, it was a it was pretty pretty special. Troy Troy said he'd never seen around anything close to that stuff. Yeah. Well, here here I got I got some stats here for the fifty nine. He made eleven birdies, one eagle, seventeen of eighteen greens, eleven of thirteen fairways. His longest putt hold was ten feet, 
which is that is absolutely mind boggling that yeah. that was the case. Approaches within twenty feet was fifteen. Approaches within five feet was nine. Yeah. He was just throwing. It was yeah. Well, well you well, he, did, he, did, he did half of them within five feet, and the other half. The fact that the longest putt he'd hold was ten feet to shoot a fifty nine. Yeah, it goes to prove exactly <laughs> everything we were just talking about. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, who is this? And that golf course, that was the Palmer course at PGA West, which is not an not an easy golf course. And they I don't mean, play that one water. anymore. Yeah, there was a lot of water on it. And I, I mean, it, I, you know, I, I can tell you I played it a number of times. But I didn't shoot no damn 59. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, man, good stuff, fellas. Any parting thoughts before we get out of here, T-Dub? Uh, I, I'll just go ahead and run off the ball scorecard here. Uh, before we get out of here, he, he this is how he opened his round. He went birdie, 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 par, birdie, par to par five. Actually, the sixth hole made a par on par five. Then he went par, 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 or par, par, birdie. She thirty one, and then he went birdie, 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 par, birdie, 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 par, eagle to shoot the fifty nine. That is absolutely a baller thing to do. Shout out to a legend, David Duvall. And then one thing I want to mention about the field this week. Scrolling down here, saw a surprising name in there, one we haven't seen in a while. Daniel Berger's in the field. So he is trying to make his comeback. Be interesting to see exactly how old Cheeseburger can do in his first time coming back. I root for old Cheeseburger. He has a, a weird, u- unique swing, but he seems like a fairly chill dude. So hopefully Daniel Berger will be able to come back and play some solid golf after some injury stuff. Hey, Sam, I, w- I know you're going to be watching because I read today, you know, who's going to do the commentary in the tower this week? I didn't see. Who is it? Brandel Chambly. Oh my gosh! Are you serious? <laughs> Way I didn't see that. That I'm is insane. Yeah, he's gonna be in the he's gonna be in the tower on 18. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna have to watch it on mute the entire time. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I knew you'd be excited. That I waited till the very end of the show to let you know that because I knew that just put you into such a bad attitude. We're going to lose you for the rest of the night. Well, fellas, you'll have to update me on how the American Express goes because I'm not watching it anymore. Anyway, (laughs) I'll watch Dubai. (laughs) Oh, fellas, good stuff today. That was Jim Woodward from Oak Tree National and T-Dub. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Please go hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode we'll be back next week with our american express recap and everything else in the golf world for all of our great listeners here on oklahoma's leader in golf the 73rd hole podcast